Hello and welcome to the Ratness Podcast, episode number 52 with Brianna Miller. Oh, hey! hey. <laughs> What's up, Brianna? Thank you so much for being here with us today. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to sit down with us. Yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited to talk to you guys. Yeah, it's been uh, cool. We've gotten back and forth a little bit on Instagram. You sent me a copy of the project you're working on, uh, which we'll get into in a little bit. Um, but I've been a fan of your your work on Insta since I saw it uh, maybe six months a year ago. It wasn't. I'm a new fan, so um, mm-hmm. it was very striking. And immediately, I kind of uh, just felt like I knew who you were. Yeah, yeah. The art, def- your de- art definitely has a way of like making you relate and feel like, oh, I, I know who this chick is. <laughs> or at least that we That's just cool. share like common uh, things that we think are funny or interesting, right? It's like, yeah, it's like um, we relate to this pop culture and uh, this ideology or not ideology, but imagery of, uh, I don't know, Danny DeVito and gremlins and troll dolls with fierce <laughs> tongues. It's cool. <laughs> Yeah, that's my goal is kind of just this collective consciousness we have with pop culture, like you said, or just media we've all absorbed throughout our lives and collaging it together because that's kind of just how it exists in our minds. It's like it's there and it's we kind of just absorb more of it as we get older and, you know, it's very nostalgic at times. So it's cool to hear people relate to it in that way. Heck yeah. And that, I like the way that you Love said that. that. It's like, that's the way it exists in our minds. And it's so true. You know, it's our minds are so scattered and imagery just kind of jumps all around that it, it takes a mm-hmm. it takes a lot to actually put it into a, a paneled like a comic setting. or a setting yeah. or a written verse or whatever, like so much so that it takes it out of the true imagination. Your your book and your work has such a imagine imaginative and like uh surreal space in it like it's so rad thank you i have to Thanks. assume uh just from like looking through jelly world as matt said we are so fortunate to sit down with you today because we don't actually know you like we've never known we don't have connections through like the same people most of the people we interview we've we kind of have known or met or whatever and we're so thankful mm-hmm. that we were able to like just link up with such a talented artist through Instagram, just, you know, finding work like that. It's, it's awesome. And the fact that you were willing to sit down with us, we love it. But that, that imaginative kind of feel that vibe that you have, the color, everything is just, it's what drew us to it immediately. And we, we, I can appreciate it. I think it's super bitching. And I, I want to kind of go into Right off the bat, so people that don't know you, and as me, me included, uh, what get, what brought you to that style? How did you decide? Like, what in your life allowed you to focus in on the imagination and not like put yourself in a box of this type type of art or style or whatever? Hmm. Okay, so I feel like well, when I started um, my first sketchbook, that kind of has a lot of what jelly world is um the kind of collage imagery i first started that at a ups job i had and i i feel like most like mundane jobs i've had is where i've made kind of that art that during the job sometimes even just like my mind needs to go somewhere else when i'm doing something very kind of just like 
uh, boring and office-y and, you know, mm. there's not much variation to your day. And so my mind just kind of like needs that outlet. And that's kind of when I started doing what uh, the sketchbook style I have now is, it's just little doodles and I'd like layer over them. And I've, I've had sketchbooks in the past where I've tried to be so clean with them. And I kind of attribute that to uh, my graphic design background, like trying to be really like clean and then kids in my school, I went, I went to school for graphic design. So I wasn't around a lot of like illustrators and I, when we'd have sketchbooks to keep, they'd be like, you know, very like kind of sterile. And I don't know, I just hated that. And that's yeah. always been my hang up in graphic design is like, everything's so regimented and like there's rules. And I mean, I'm appreciative of like knowing that, but I'm, I always struggled with like having to stay so in like a boundary almost, okay. you know? And um, so my sketchbooks, I feel like I can just be really free with them and just like draw over a really detailed portrait I do. Like who cares? I can just like add a little Fleischer cartoon like over that or, so that's kind of where that started and stems from is like a rebellion to just yep. having to be so clean with my formal work, I guess. But That's rad because yeah. it's so, it's so true to form, uh, like the antithesis of graphic design. Like in, in your work, you, you have, you don't follow those rules, well, you know, in the best way possible. You it's, know? <laughs> it's also a nod to the first stages of design where you're just uh, throwing out a million ideas over each other to kind of fill what the project's about, right? Like any um, design work that mm -hmm. I've... Uh, had to do in school, you have to turn it in, in waves. You know, you do the first parts, you do the renders, you, totally. you do the thumbnails, you do everything. Right. So it's like, this is almost like your brain's interpretation of that first design level. And you're like, what am I going to do with mm -hmm. all this? But it, it works on its own, which is beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's awesome. Thanks. Yeah. To like thumbnail sketching, wireframing. I remember when I first had my, like a graphic design job out of school, it was like, Oh yeah, I'm gonna do like all these thumbnails. I'm like, oh, we don't have time for you to just like do thumbnails. That's like such a school thing. But mm. honestly, that was the part I enjoyed the most was like all these ideas and it's like, and you have to kind of refine that. It's just process, like what you said. But um, I think my favorite part of that graphic design process is like the messy preliminary sketches where it's just like your mind kind of just uh, unfiltered. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, totally. It's like a stream of consciousness, kind of like free form to see what's going to happen. Uh, let all the emotion out first wave. Yeah. Um, did you draw mm -hmm. a lot when you were a kid? Like when you were in school and stuff where were like the borders of your papers, like stick figures and stuff? Yeah, definitely. Just that would be in like parent teacher conferences or whatever. It's just always like critique for my teachers. Like, oh, yeah, her homework's always messy or in <laughs> class. She's like you know, not paying attention and she's doodling and I was always kind of quiet. So then that was kind of like my way of just kind of like bubbling myself is like pen to paper is kind of, mm -hmm. you know, that was just something I felt really comfortable doing and then I've never really stopped doing that. So always drawing. Yeah. <laughs> so did you uh, grow up or did you listen to punk rock? Like that's, that's such a vibe I get from looking at your work. Hmm. Um, well, my dad's a musician, so I guess I was like always exposed to just classic rock, like Kiss was his favorite band. So in our house, we just had, 
and Kiss isn't like a punk band, but I'm just saying that was like Kiss is such a imprint on my like childhood as just like those toys. He had like yeah. such a huge Kiss collection of like memorabilia. So um like I'm wearing a Gene Simmons pin. I just I love <laughs> the makeup and the imagery of Kiss. So um that's, that's my dad's like a front man of like various cover bands. So I like learned a lot about music through my dad. Um but then kind of like well, I don't really like a lot of his music. So, you know, I got into like the Descendants and mm, um, yeah. probably like the Descendants is like the first like punk band, in my opinion, that I really gravitated towards. And then just as like a millennium kid, like Blink-182 was like my form of yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, like, yes. pop punk. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I'm not too well versed in like hardcore punk, but I, I mean, I know a little bit about it, but yeah. <laughs> Well, I, I definitely wasn't trying to, we definitely wasn't trying to grill you on your knowledge of punk rock. I just, uh, <laughs> it was like trivia. <laughs> yeah. So what, what kind of music do you listen to? What are, what are you into as far as, uh, what would you push play on right now? Uh, it kind of just varies when I'm drawing. I really like to listen to just kind of like current, uh, I don't know how you describe it, like glitch pop almost, or just apex twin it just has that like trancey rhythm and it's not a lot of vocals so it's just kind of like easy to draw to and i don't know that's kind of just what i put on when i'm drawing um but i also just like a lot of 80s kind of like romantic uh goth pop rock so yeah i like uh the smiths and strawberry switchblade and a bunch of bands like in that genre too mm -hmm. so secure and stuff but I feel like with yeah. anybody that has to do like focus driven work, whether it be programming or art or anything like that, that real uh, like Aphex Twin, for instance, that just monotonous, like repetitive beat really helps to kind of mm -hmm. zone in and focus on a task at hand and allows you to kind of like zone everything out and just allow allow you to go with that rhythm and catch the rhythm of your work like that. That's uh, when I have to sit down and do something like tedious where I don't have to necessarily think about words, but I'm, I'm drawing or graphic design. I, it's the same thing. Give me a heart, like a hard beat mm -hmm. or like a, some like yeah. strong rhythm. Yeah. But it's either that or all artists are schizophrenics and we just listen to like noise and static and we're yeah. like, this is a happy place. This, this works for me. Right. I'll Do you guys know calm truces? Say again. Calm I'm sorry. Calm truce yes. is like an electronic artist. Yeah. When I worked at a graphic design job, I, we would always have that on because this is kind of like a neutral, like mm -hmm. no one's too offended by what you have online. <laughs> and you just feel like you're in like a commercial it's, or something like yeah, on the it, keyboard and like calm it's a soundscape. Play, it's yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so funny. That's, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah, I've never, I've always been in the restaurant industry. So it's either like Mexican, uh, just like polka or punk rock mm. blaring in the back of the house like in the kitchen <laughs> um but you can't really listen to music which sucks uh because you're running around and serving people and talking to people like an idiot um <laughs> so i you know when i had like those those days where i can just put on music and draw it feels it doesn't feel like work it feels like it's something i'm like what should i be doing instead i mean there's probably bills to pay or like yard work to do or something like it, it's uh it's it's my happy time um, yeah. Do you, do you, uh, have like a nine to five or do you fully do art and illustration? Like what's, uh, what's your day to day like? So 
So just recently, I would say during, well, during the pandemic, which feels recent, but it's been forever now. Um, I have just kind of been forced to do art just as a means of supporting myself. And it's just kind of pushed me to be more diligent at that. And, um, I had a, I had a graphic design job like a few months before the pandemic and left it on my own terms just because it was really taking a toll on me mentally and just, uh, in my personal life. So left that position and, uh, just was like determined to do commission work and, uh, some freelance stuff. So that's kind of what jump started all that, but, um, it's been, you know, it's come and go. It's not like steady all the time. So it's just like months where it's a little harder. I just kind of like spend less and just am doing enough commissions, to like pay rent and pay my bills. And then, you know, it kind of just comes in waves. It's not consistent, but I ultimately feel better mentally Hell having yeah. my art be a way of supporting myself. So yeah, it's been cool to see. And I, I also didn't know if it would be possible. So I was just kind of like feeling it out and then mm-hmm. it's been enough for me to just kind of ride on. So yeah, I we've right actually now, heard but... from a few different artists that the pandemic kind of forced them to to kickstart what they've always wanted to do. And they're like, you know what? I can't do anything else. Might as well just lean into this. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's it seems like that's kind of all we really needed. Like it didn't the pandemic necessarily was it was the catalyst, but we didn't have to go through everything <laughs> shutting down in order to get right. the confidence to jump up and do something, you know what I mean? But it helped right. so much. And I love this hearing the stories like, like what you're saying, where I, I finally had the time I finally could just, mm-hmm. I, or I was forced to, because I wasn't making money any other way. Let's, let's lean into it. And it like, it made so many people start to take it. Oh, I can do this, you know? Yep. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, and I feel like that's kind of why you're seeing uh, just people not wanting to even like try and do the nine to five thing anymore. It's like, yeah. well, we had the opportunity to like figure out how we can have an alternative to doing that. And then, but anyways, no, <laughs> totally. Kind of what I've yeah. I, I definitely uh, am trying to scrape by as long as possible without returning to going to kiss ass and serve food yeah. for tips. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. nothing yeah. against it. Did it my whole adult life. It's, I loved it at certain points. And, uh, but I'm mm-hmm. not in a huge rush to get back to it. If I can figure out other ways to, to get by. Yeah. And I've always had a job like you, like what mine was more so office work, but it, and then it also is kind of, of a thing that you can react against in your art almost, or it's like, if, if you're only doing art, it's like, kind of uninspiring almost because you don't have that that's true and uh just like this is not what i want to be doing but it's like then your art's like a reaction to that are are you more creative or do you or do you realize if it you are aren't more creative in like the worst times in your life like the hardest times is (laughs) is like when you create the most work because whether you're worried or you're just trying not to yeah focus on something else and it's like you put all yourself into this thing to create just to forget about the bills or whatever, not making rent that month. Like I feel like when I was the scummiest, I made the most art. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Totally. No, I totally agree with that. And you know, you see people that are just super comfortable all the time and it's like, how inspiring is their life really? Or what do they have to react against? If it's like 
there's, you know, not that strife that you have kind of lingering in the back of your head and you need to like have an outlet for it. And I'm not trying to glamorize that because it's just like a fact of existing. And, uh, you know, I mean, I've also kind of taken something from every job I've had that I've like hated, but then you reflect back on it and you're like, well, I learned a lot from yeah. having that in some way you learned, you learned something from it. Like I've worked at a post office. I've worked at city hall. I worked at like a window cleaning company. You just like find yourself in things. And <laughs> I learned a lot about mailing shits and I do that now on my own. So I'm like glad that I had that job that I like hated while I was in it. And I'm like glad I actually had that experience now. And same with graphic design is like, I hated the program while I was in it. And now I'm really grateful that I know that shit. But. Yeah. And that's, you said it earlier with graphic design, you have to know the rules to be able to break them. It's a, uh, you yeah. kind of have to put your time mm -hmm. in and learn everything about it so that when you do things your own way, they, people don't, uh, come at you. You're like, no, nah, I'm, I'm certified, <laughs> bruh. Yeah. Like, what's I did good? that on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Right. Something you said just a minute ago, too, is a, a good point. This glamorization of the struggle of the starving artist is something that anybody that doesn't do art thinks is is real. You know, it, it, oh, when you're sleeping on your friend's couches and you're, you're eating Del Taco for three days straight off of six dollars, like... Scraping together change like these are times where like people that are in a nine to five a struggle that oh man I wish I could do that that sounds so great just getting high exactly. and drunk with my friends all day having no responsibilities but like the reality of those situations is they suck they are not fun at all and and so like they're fun yeah they're fun I, for a while <laughs> come on dude but I appreciate that you said like I'm not trying to glamorize these moments but because we we know as artists that, that those moments are not glamorous whatsoever. No, but, but so many people think they are. But they're essential too. And they make you remember like how much that sucks. And I don't want to sleep on the couch and right. I don't want to do shit this way mm -hmm. anymore. And like I do want to make this thing that I love work yeah. on another level. They're definitely essential for artists, yeah. but uh yeah, definitely not glamorous. And also not always a a thing that everyone can just like step back from and like you know it's a, a lot of hard work to try and make art be your source of income and um, I guess if you're not in it it can seem like easy but it's it's so not and yeah. Um, yeah. but it's like not everyone can just be like hey I'm just gonna quit my job and then do art and I understand that but uh yeah well even just Luckily, to have like put your emotion into your art and then to put it out there for people to look at and judge I think 80, 90% of the population can't even fathom that. Yeah, it's, it's vulnerable. And I, I'm always like Instagram is my main way of doing that. And it, I mean, there's a lot of shitty aspects about Instagram, but I mean, you know, there's connections like this and there's, you know, connections that I've gotten through commission work that I never thought I would get through mm -hmm. that. And it's a great tool for that. If you don't like get sucked into the, gross aspect of it but the hours of scrolling yeah, well, yeah we're we are yeah, glad that you chose instagram as as a uh, a place to do because that's where we were able to find you and dude we've really enjoyed looking at your work uh matt sent it over he was like hey what do you think about having this chick on i was like hell yeah but uh, just right <laughs> off the bat immediately um 
Your most recent work, Jelly World, uh, a book that you just put out. Can you tell us a little bit about that before I try and tell your story for you? Oh, yeah. Um, so I, like I said, I started it when I was working at UPS and uh, just had a lot of downtime. It was mostly a retail job. I got hired to do graphic design as like, I think, a blanket job uh-huh. posting, but clearly it was just, they wanted like retail workers, but, um, so I was doing a lot of just customer service stuff and then, um, started like this moleskin, this kind of size moleskin. And then, um, I've included two moleskins worth of work in jelly world and kind of curated like my favorite pieces. Um, so I think it ended up being like 160 pages, which is like 80 spreads of work. Um, and I kept sketchbooks through like even that graphic design job I had after that at a marketing agency. Uh, but yeah, and I wanted to include my earlier sketchbook as like a way to show my progression and how I just kind of got even more detailed Mm -hmm. and like more layered in my pages as they, I think it's a span of like four years or something. So it's like four years worth of sketchbook work. And, uh, I just wanted a formal way to share that with people and was going to just publish it on my own and uh, posted something on Instagram, like a flip through of my last sketchbook I finished. And then Burn Barrel Press uh, is run by Bo Kulon and he lives in New Orleans. And um, he reached out to me and was like, I want to help you make that if you're interested. And I didn't even think that was like, that didn't cross my mind as a possibility to have someone help me publish it. So that's so rad. uh, yeah, that was awesome for him to reach out. And I was like, yeah, I'd love to, obviously. So he helped me make it. And we initially like didn't have this pink kind of vinyl jelly cover. It, yeah. I think I like saw a jelly journal that I had as like a kid. I'm like, wow, it'd be really cool if we had some way to like wrap it, kind of make it even more nostalgic like a kind of trapper keeper yeah, final yeah. diary thing, you know? So I, we were able to like, and that was actually the hardest part about this book project was producing that part. We worked with <laughs> someone based out of California, but they had like, it was like uh, their headquarters were in like the South somewhere, but then I was doing a people in California and I was kind of the one making this happen. And, they were just very interesting to work with, but we finally got it. And COVID was also affecting that with like the supply of that material. Yeah, for sure. So I was almost like not even gonna, I was gonna scrap it. Cause I'm like, well, we have the book, so we don't really need that pink part, but I think it just kind of wraps it up nice. Literally, oh, it, does. But... it definitely adds like such a, a perfect nostalgic feel to it. I, I, I dig it. I'm, I'm, it's cool to me to hear too that this was kind of work over the course of multiple years because as Matt showed it to me, I, I got it and was thumbing through it. One of the first things that I noticed was the progress through it. Like at the beginning, a lot of like heavy, heavy marker and stuff, you know, like obviously fun doodles. But when you get to the end, there's so much more detail and so much more intricacy in every, every little piece, you know? And so I love to be able to see that growth and that progress and like to be able to throw it in 160 pages where you actually get to see the progress as it's going rather than like, Oh, here was one time in my life and then fast forward. And here's another part of my life. I I just, I love that about the book. 
Thank you. Yeah, we almost didn't do that. We almost split it up into two different uh, publications. Like we would have one that was just my earlier sketchbook and then the most recent one. But I, I mean, I liked that they were together and all in one thing. Like you said, you can see the profession and I just got better at drawing. Like having to draw that much, you just like get better at drawing. So yeah. it's like towards the end, I'm just, I'm wanting to push myself further in every page I do. And I would say my pages at the beginning of the book would take me like a few hours versus the latter pages, which took me like a few days to finish one spread. Mm -hmm. And it's not even a very big sketchbook that I'm working in, but I would just kind of just go over things and just really try and layer them. And uh, yeah, just kind of treated them more as like full compositions, which I wasn't really doing in my first sketchbook. That's awesome. It's, it's when you have like a project that you're working towards, I feel it forces you a little bit, whether you realize it or not, to take it more seriously, take your time a little bit more, double check, maybe do one more uh, process piece between your initial sketches and what ultimately becomes the finished product um, and just take it more serious. Mm -hmm. I bit, you know, and it doesn't matter if you're getting paid or not, but just some sort of deadline goal. Um, you're putting the book out project. You have a show mm -hmm. you want to show your, you want to put your best, best foot forward. Right. right. You know, it's, uh, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. it's cool though. It's, it's rad to see the finished product turn out as clean as this did. It's rad. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. And I, I've always tried to do like a traditional comic where it's like panels and I always get stuck after like my fourth page and, uh, want to do something totally different so i feel like if i ever do i mean i did uh i did this like zine in my art residency in new york and it's called peaches and it's i tried to do like more of the like you know panel art yeah comic thing um i guess the spreads are a little bit more obvious but uh just tried to do that and i i feel like even that like my brain gets hung up on even just having that be the a structure, but um, I came across a book by uh, Tiger Tateshi. He's a Japanese artist, and his comic format's really just freeform and more dreamlike, more surreal. And he has the panels, but they're they're not really narrative much. So, so I feel like if I ever do that again, which I kind of want to do, I'm working on something right now where it's like a story about a dog, and I. I kind of want to keep going with that story, but like maybe if it's a collection of different stories, that would help me be not so stuck on like mm -hmm. the comic format. Mm. Uh, because I do really like that format and uh, kind of like eight ball, I guess is Daniel Klaus is very, he like does many different styles, mm -hmm. but it's all him. So maybe something like that is the way I could apply my next book. In in your experience when you were writing the zine or like working in that kind of comic structure, um, what was the biggest hangup? Was it n not it being able to express ideas or not knowing where to go with the story or trying to think of too much character development? Like uh, where, where does the hangup start and end with you? Probably all those things. I, <laughs> I feel like I just didn't, I didn't have much of like a classic, storyline mapped out i kind of was just making it as i went and it was through a year of this art residency program um and i knew i wanted to make a zine aspect and i also ended up making like a giant full-size 
plaster figure of the character in the book. Oh, dope. And had an it had an installation be part of my zine. Um, so then I kind of got, you know, like sidetracked with that. And mm-hmm. then like, well, I still got to finish this story. So then the whole end of it is kind of just like very dreamlike and surreal, kind of just about like identity melting away. It's like kind of like a 7-Eleven oh, trippy yeah. experience. I don't know. Anyways, that it kind of is very just like, you know, not too formal. So maybe if I ever do anything like that again, I, I will just be a little bit more like my sketchbooks and kind of have it not be so classic. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm excited to kind of push that idea further, but just don't know what that will look like yet. Yeah. Sometimes those boundaries of actually having to like jump through panels can be really like uh, prohibitive, you know, sometimes that free flow mm-hmm. and being able to just sketch it out and throw it in however you want can allows for the creativity to kind of push forward a little more definitely uh yeah i appreciate people that can like kind of even just break the actual panel and that's like like simon hanselman does that really well where they're hallucinating or something the actual like panels start getting wiggly and shifting i i love that idea but and it seems it seems so uh like duh what to the reader like of course it, he's hallucinating so the panel would wiggle or whatever but that's <laughs> it takes so much foresight and like thought and and like creativity to be able to actually pull that kind of thing off yeah and probably a little bit of experience too just oh yeah when you are tripping things start <laughs> i know. mean yeah ex- experience <laughs> helps <laughs> Um, when you were, when you find yourself kind of like doodling in your sketchbook or like when you were saying you were at work and just kind of grabbing these pages, all of your work is so colorful, like with so much vibrant color. I can't imagine that you're like sitting at work with like markers, com- like filling in and like coloring all of this stuff. How do you, d- does Coloring after the fact is kind of a, co- a common thing, but like with, with your stuff, it's so in the moment. It's so like obvious doodle, like this is what's going on in my head right now. Is the coloring a difficult thing? And how do you go, how do you approach that? Um, well, when I did have those jobs where I was working on those early sketches, I would just carry around like a pouch of markers, oh, and, uh, <laughs> like steel office supplies or like highlighters and whatever pens that are around just kind of using oh, yeah. that sharpies um so yeah i i don't even really think i'm that conscious of it i just i i don't know i've never even tried to just like do something in black pen you know and only black and then kind of go back with the color um maybe a few times but yeah especially in my sketchbook i, I mean i love the like different widths of pen different mm. like nib sizes and uh I like just, it almost looks like a bunch of different artists like drew on one page just, mm-hmm. and that's always been a thing I've struggled with, like even in uh, art schools, like, well, the illustrators that are illustrators have such strong like styles. And that's what intimidated me about like trying to switch over to illustration was like, I was torn between graphic design and illustration, just mm-hmm. having that formal major or whatever is like, I don't know. I felt torn between those two mm-hmm. uh, groups. And uh, 
So that's why I, I just love being able to draw like all kinds of styles. And then that in itself has kind of become a style, like everything I'm into, like if I have a memory of like a movie and I'm trying to like capture a screenshot from that movie, just exactly, I'll just color pencil it and then go over with like, you know, uh, just an old cartoon pen character. It yeah. doesn't have much detail. Th that uh, answers a question I was going to ask you is about referencing um, what, you know, the imagery that you use in the book. It's, I was going to ask if you, you pause a DVD or if you print something out or if it's just solely based on your memory of whatever you're drawing. Yeah, because there's some, there's like, well, the one that grabbed me the most as I was thumbing through it, I'll never be able to find it again, but it looks like Kevin from The Office. And it's like so obviously Kevin from The Office, but like a sketch. It's so great. Yeah, very few people have pointed that out because I initially was trying to draw Kevin from the office and I felt like it didn't look like Kevin from the office. So then I turned him into Zippy and I was like, I'm just going to make him Zippy because I don't think he looks like Kevin. But then some people that have seen the book are like, that's Kevin. I'm like, oh, so, okay. You guys see it, but I I didn't think that was that clear. Oh, I saw it immediately. Jim saw it immediately and I said no. Yeah. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, ambiguous things like that. If I'm watching a show or a movie and uh, I always have this reaction when I watch a movie, it's just like there's certain stills and I'm just like, damn, I want to draw that. Mm -hmm. What is that reaction that I have? And I'm like, just kind of that in itself is making that like special. And you see it for a second. Like if you're watching a movie, you see these amazing compositions for such a little amount of time and kind of uh, picking my favorite moments or... I don't know. During the pandemic, I also just felt like I discovered so many new filmmakers and mm -hmm. wanting to like talk about that with people and then like having my art be a way to like start that conversation. It's been cool. I get like people suggesting movies for to me and I'm like, you know, with similar tastes and it's been cool to see that as well. But no, oh, that's really yeah. cool. I I I love, like I said at the very beginning, that it's like imagination on the page. And I, I think that is so cool, man. It's just whimsical. It's fun. It's very, it's like raw. It's, it's all of the adjectives that you can use to describe like the, the, I don't know. My brain I mean, keeps going back to like punk rock. It's that raw energy. It's like unfiltered. You know what I mean? And I don't mean to, to compare it to music, but that's, my background so that's what the vibe that i get and it's it's almost invigorating when i when i would look through it you know what i mean it's not real and i'm sorry if this is what you're going through but it's not like a relaxing book to thumb through to like fall asleep to like it's very <laughs> like it gives adrenaline it's fun it's exciting with the color and and the different imagery it's great that's fine yeah people have sent me uh their kids like reactions to just if it's on their coffee table then picking it up and like their initial reaction they'll like send me a picture of their face like <laughs> what am i looking at like as a kid being exposed to that it must be kind of uh shocking because there's like familiar imagery within it like spongebob or something but like totally his nose is his dick or something and like, <laughs> oh, that's not quite how i remember spongebob you know what um, though but getting yeah that's really cool getting to be the person that introduces that first time into someone's life that, I mean, you're, you're changing lives. Really. You are. I'll, I'll never forget the first time I showed my brother, the Mars Volta. Uh, he's like very 
like scholastic, you know what I mean? And he was in college and I <laughs> went up there and we were driving home and I put on the Mars Volta and I'm getting high in the back seat and I look up and he's like, dude, can we turn this off, please? Like, this is too much. I, I don't really, I can't really experience this right now while I'm driving. Like, I need to be able to listen to this and I can't. Like, giving people those experiences where, like, art may never have made a kid feel something up until that point when they go, what the hell is this? <laughs> like, that that moment of what the fuck is often so much more impactful than, oh, I like this. Kind of like when we first saw Ren and Stimpy or something, it's like, damn what is yeah, that yeah, yeah. totally that's why it was such a yeah. i don't know it was like a mental overload it was like yeah there's so much going on that i know is bad but i don't know why <laughs> um, right. but I, like but it's fun but it's okay because it's on nick like you had so many like conflicting emotions my mom wouldn't let me watch it dude my mom was like no ren and stimpy no south park that was when i was a kid South Park, that's oh, another yeah, one that's South just Park. like, holy shit, I can't believe they're actually doing this, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's the simplest animation, but it's like you see those figures and you're like, I shouldn't be watching this. As a kid, you're just like, you know, that's like wrong. Yeah. 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 But why? It's, they're like paper cutouts of little kids. But yeah. That's no, so funny. When you, were, when you were a kid, were uh, you allowed to watch stuff? Were you sheltered? Um, I, what my grandpa would watch me most, I think my mom and dad were just always working during the day. So if I was home, like I would just watch TV. I didn't really have that, uh, you know, prohibitive television. It was just like, whatever. Mm -hmm. But, um, yeah, I definitely remember watching Ren and Stimpy and feeling like I shouldn't be or TV in itself is like such a pivotal impact of my childhood, just feeling raised by it. And I feel like even now so like i still have memories of you know not watching tv but i feel like kids now is like well their ipads just went since they're little babies and how is that gonna inform yeah. you know what art they end up making or i don't know that's interesting to think about yeah that only time Always will tell we just have to stick around and get old and then we'll we'll be like yeah. well in my day yeah. we did it differently <laughs> Although you bring up a good point, like so often a lot of the artists, a lot of the good artists spent so much time watching TV or like you hear about the, the, like, oh, my folks were at work all day. So I just sat and watched TV and that impacted their art so much that gave them the, des the desire to create something or, oh, I really like the way that this cartoon looks compared to this and like helps create such a style to where, I, I don't think if you're watching TV with like your siblings or like you don't have control over what you're watching, you're not going to get that same impact as if you're sitting at home, putting off doing your homework because your folks aren't home yet. And you're scrolling through watching things that you think you're not supposed to be watching. Like yeah. those are, that's so impactful. I had the same thing growing up, like yeah. all of middle school oh, and yeah. high school, I got home hours before anyone in my household. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm supposed to have my homework done, but fuck that. I'm going to watch the Simpsons. Yeah, exactly. That almost feels just more of like a presence than, you know, real life sometimes is like television. And The Simpsons is a good example of that. It's like a family that looks more like a family than my own family at times. It's like, mm -hmm. feel more, I feel more at home like with The Simpsons than I do like with my family sometimes. 
You know, and that's all like that was made when we were growing up. Like, oh, you watch too much TV. Can't let your kids watch too much TV. It's going to influence them. Like now that we're in the information age and in the especially social media and Internet age. Yes, it is influence influential. And like, look at how much much it influenced us as we're growing up to where now we have people that have based their entire lives and identities off of what they saw growing up and what influenced them growing up. And while they may not have had the best lid on what they were influencing us with growing up, like now the ones, those of us that are grow, had grown up with it and are aware of it, get a chance to alleviate some of that with the art that we make, you know, and, and like what you're doing, like you said, a kid picks up your book and looks through it. They get, in my opinion, such a more pure version of art and creativity at picking up a book like yours than watching Ren and Stimpy because that has gone through corporate justices and the censorships and making sure that everything looks right and you know all of these things where when the artist gets it they get to censor it themselves and are usually far more loose let's just say that with their own work mm -hmm. than a censor would be I and I think it's great like we got influenced so heavily with TV and it was taught, told us that it was such a bad thing, but like, it's, I think it worked out pretty goddamn good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I, I feel that. And just, uh, I don't know, especially with Instagram now, I couldn't imagine just being like in high school and then having like the presence of Instagram, like mm -hmm. high school is always already so hard. And then just this level of like social media is, I can't imagine it. And I'm glad I'm not in that time of my life where it is a thing because I don't know, especially, you know, like YouTube culture too. Is like I taught a class for eight year olds on how to do stop motion animation. And like all, <laughs> most of them like are already set on being YouTubers, like as mm -hmm. a career and it's yep. kind of like all they absorb is like YouTube gamers or whatever. And it's like, you, that's all that they aspire to be because they see someone being really successful at it and i don't know that a lot of other job trades are like not being considered just because of youtube but yeah it's gonna be interesting it's gonna be very weird to see uh the like generation that wants to be an influencer grow up and either figure out how to be an inf influencer successfully or what career path they actually have to take. Have every kid having their dreams crushed you, by the time they're 16. You know, I, I have a 10 year old nephew and that's the same thing. He said, I think he said like, I want to be an artist or an influencer, like on like the, like, what do you want to be when you grow up kind of papers? And uh, he's amazing. Like he draws amazing for his age. Like he's super dope. And, but he's like, I want to be these guys that open boxes of toys on YouTube because yeah. know, that seems cooler somehow <laughs> than having like any sort of craft or skill. <laughs> yeah. My boyfriend works at a hospital and he's literally told me that uh, doctors and stuff have left their jobs because their families are more successful, like in YouTube. And like, he doesn't need to be a doctor anymore because he makes more money doing like what you just said, like kids playing with toys and reviewing them or something. You know, it's like, what is that? That's so disturbing to me, but. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it is for it sure. Really is. But I don't want to get too down on Instagram because we mentioned earlier yeah. that you got jobs and stuff through Instagram totally. and that platform, like through the pandemic. But um, 
Was there any mm-hmm. commissions that you've done lately that have been like super fun or that sucked that you're just like, I wish I didn't have to do this? Let's focus on the super fun ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, just that stands out to me is uh, the comedian Sarah Squirm, Sarah Sherman. She's on SNL right now. Oh, yeah. Reached yeah. out to me on Instagram. Yeah, she reached out to me on Instagram and asked me to do her tour poster. Awesome. And uh, just oh, yeah. kind of had like general ideas to include. We kind of like, thought of her as freddy krueger as like the main theme in the poster so i kind of ran with that and added a bunch of horror uh movie references that she also likes like the thing basket case and uh kind of just made her those characters um and that was really awesome like never thought i'd do that so that was cool and then that's kind of led to other things like i'm working on an album cover for a comedian coming out with a stand-up record soon or just an actual record but kind of comedy songs um <laughs> yeah it's been awesome i oh, yeah that is like such an awesome thing about instagram yeah but. so you might be far beyond where we're at but i know like when when you were willing to jump on the cast and we just kind of found we're able to connect through instagram we were pumped like oh holy shit like Okay, that's this felt validating, right? So I I have to ask, like, what what did that feel like when you got that DM from someone on SNL, like, yo, I want you to do this work, like that that had to be so vindicating. Yeah, it it feels like it makes me just feel like our the world feels really big, but then like the times like that make it feel really small, and it's like, wow, the art I make is resonating with people whose comedy I really enjoy and. It never crossed my mind that I would like get to work with them in some weird way. Cause like I don't live in LA. I don't live in New York. Um, I live in Spokane, Washington. Like how else would I get that opportunity? It's like the internet's really great for stuff like that. Uh, so yeah, it feels like crazy just seeing that and, uh, just getting that opportunity is really awesome. No, that's super bitching. Congratulations on that. That's, oh, yeah. that's really cool. Thank you. Thanks. Well, dude, uh, we're about done. We're running up here on f- 55 minutes-ish. So we normally uh, cut it at an hour, but thank you so much. Our like, listeners don't have a very long attention span. If, yeah. we, go, if we go much more than an hour, <laughs> then uh, we, we lose them. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. Thanks. That was really fun. No, this was a really great interview. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down with a couple of strangers. Uh, we really appreciate you being on here. Uh, I love, love the work jelly world. Go, go check it out, uh, anywhere that you can. Yeah. Can you tell us where to find it, where to buy it, what all of the production, all that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can go on burnbarrelpress.com. Um, and I think it's just spelled burn barrel press. Uh, and I also have links on my Instagram to that also. You just go on. And I'm B-R-I-A-N-N-A-N-U-S. That's my Instagram handle. Cool. We'll yeah. make sure to include it in the description on YouTube and everything okay. when we drop the episode. But um, yeah, cool. awesome. Uh, go get Jelly World. Anything else you want to shout out? I think that's pretty much it. All right, Thanks dude. Well, thank me. you so much for talking to us. It was really cool. Thank, thank you. you. Yeah. Seriously, Thanks. it was super nice meeting you. Thanks for sitting down with us. It, it was a great interview. We we appreciate you very much. And mm-hmm. uh, stick around a couple minutes, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit after we do this outro. Okay. Cool. This has been another episode of the Retinas Podcast. You can catch us every week on YouTube for video and anywhere you stream your podcast for the audio. 
Go to ratnessstickerco.com for prints, zines, comics, stickers, and more. Jim. Hey, I'm Jim. Bye.